0: Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or SpongeBob, your neighborhood barista, or your little sibling. I'm Jill, and I'm here with Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Jill. We love answering your questions, so please please send them to us at kdl.org forward slash stump or email us at stump the librarian at kdl.org. You can email us your thoughts on our answers too. we love to hear from you. Before we answer your questions today, I was wondering, Liz, what does your perfect pizza look like? Oh,
1: pizza. That sounds amazing right now.
0: Yes, it Just does.
1: BTW. <laughs> Dinner time. Um, I love a uh, Chicago deep dish pizza. Ooh. Like crust is very important to me. So like that crust that's almost like a pie crust, mm-hmm. and like you only need one piece because it's so much. But that is perfect with, I would say, onions and mushrooms and those little banana pepper rings. I like a veggie pizza myself. That would be like, that would be
0: perfect. A deep dish with veggies. How Mm. about you? So um, you asked me beforehand about crust and I was like, oh, crust. I just like medium hand tossed so i think i never really think about crust cuz uh, that's kind of your basic crust that is
1: basic you know, yeah
0: i'm wearing on the basic pizza crust but you know what i like on top everything just oh. throw it at me everything but pepperoni i don't like really? it really i know it's weird it is i don't like interesting. it interesting everything else though all of the veggies and i like ham and sausage um, but i yeah i don't but like no pepperoni i don't like pepperoni i don't like those uh, yellow peppers either and oh i do i know that's my only veggie But I veggie don't that like pass. green peppers. Oh, I like them. Oh. Yeah. We're so different. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can always get pizza half and half. You can. I do sure. actually like deep dish pizza. It's delicious, but... Okay. maybe
1: one day. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, are you ready to get started? Yeah. We go? Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. I have a question today. From Sarah F. She's seven years old and she is from Mr. Cornoli's second grade class at Pine Ridge Elementary in Forest Hills Public Schools. And it says, we have been studying matter in our second grade classroom. This question came up that I think may stump the librarians. Are the cartoons on my TV screen matter? What do you think? I'm
0: stumped. Oh, my goodness. I'm totally stumped.
1: Okay, I have to say I avoided (laughs) answering this question because it seemed really hard to me. So way to go, Sarah, for asking a question that I felt would be a stumper. So I had to think about where do we start with a question like this? Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd just start with matter first. It made sense to me. So I started my research in KDL's World Book Kids database, which is an awesome resource, And everything, and I mean everything, is made up of matter. And matter is simply anything that has weight and takes up space. So matter can be a solid, a liquid, or a gas, which are called states of matter. Solids are easy to identify because they hold their own shape, like a rock. That's solid. Liquids take the shape of the container, like a jug of milk will take the shape of that jug, and a gas will fill the container too, but if you leave it open, the gas escapes. Plasma is another state of matter that's like a gas, but can conduct electricity, like lightning.
0: Oh.
1: I know, I learned that while doing my research. Wow. <laughs> now that we know a little bit about matter, let's talk about Cartoons. Did you know the first cartoon that was made for TV was called Crusader Rabbit, and it debuted in 1950. It was mostly cameras just panning across drawn pictures or images, but it was the beginning of cartoons on TV. So animation or cartoons can either be hand-drawn onto cells and painted and shown in quick succession like a flipbook to portray movement Or created through CGI, computer generated imagery. Computer software is used to design and animate characters and create scenery. I found this fantastic website about the science of Pixar animation that you should definitely check out. It has activities for you to try, um, some of the tools that Pixar uses to create movies. So there's one where you can make grass wave in a field, and you can make a teddy bear that has fur kind of come to life. And it was really fascinating, and I spent a really long time looking at it. (laughs) That sounds fun. It was really fun. Um, In cartoons, regular cartoons like... Bluey, for example, I did a little research on that type of cartoon. 500 to 800 drawings are needed per episode. So that is one that they start out with drawings, Okay, which are then storyboarded. So they put all of the drawings in a row and in order as the cartoon would, would go through the episode. And they're just filmed with basic camera shots and voices and music before the final cartoon is produced so that the producers have an idea of how the episode will flow. One episode can take three to four months to be produced. Wow. Start to finish. And is usually produced by a team of fifty people for one episode. Oh wow. Cartoons definitely matter to all of those people working on making Bluey come alive. Ah. But <laughs> is it matter? Well, definitely the pieces that are drawn by hand are matter, and the instruments used to make sound and music are matter. But what about what you see on TV? So let's talk about TV screens for a minute. Some TVs are made up of LCD screens, which is liquid crystal display. Each image we see on the screen is made from pixels, liquid crystal, is definitely matter as it flows like a liquid, but it has tiny solid parts too. So it's like two states of matter in one. And maybe you've heard of a plasma TV. It's another type of TV. And instead of liquid, tiny colored lights contain a gas called plasma. And remember, we talked about plasma earlier, and it's a gas that can conduct electricity. So either kind of TV screen is made up of one or more kinds of matter. And either kind of Screen is really thin and lightweight and uses light and electric currents to move the pixels in different ways. It's kind of interesting to think about. So, the cartoon is drawn, storyboarded, and produced by animation software. Is that matter? I would say yes. Is your TV screen matter? Either way, either kind of TV that you have, I would say yes. So, does that make the cartoon matter? I say, yes, cartoons are matter. So that is how I answered that really tricky, complicated question that scared me just a little bit when I was thinking about it. So thank you so much to that student, Sarah, for submitting that question. And I hope the questions keep coming from that class, because that was a tricky one. That
0: was a tricky one.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wow. And I have a fact of the day as well.
0: Is it less tricky
1: I, I think so, but let me just tell you this book that it came from is called What in the Wow 250 Bonker Balls Facts.
0: This is a very silly book. It
1: is so fun. Like the title makes me laugh every time. It's by Mindy Thomas and Guy Raz, and it's found in the Curious section of Junior Nonfiction. So the Bonker Balls fact that I have is the air located around a lightning bolt which we just talked about, is heated to around 54,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh.
0: This
1: is five times hotter than the surface of the sun.
0: Whoa. Yeah.
1: And about eight million lightning strikes happen around the world every day.
0: Isn't that That's why it burns down a tree when it hits a
1: tree. It's hotter than the
0: sun. Yeah.
1: I never knew that
0: before. I didn't either. Bonker balls. I I knew that it would burn down a tree because there's a tree in the park behind us that was just like eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: It's pretty hot. It's very hot. There's your fact. Oh, the day. Oh,
0: thank you for that fact. (laughs) Do you have a question to share with us? I do. I have a question that came in through our submit on the website from an adult Tina from our Granville branch. And Tina asks, what is the difference between coffee beans and cocoa beans? Mm.
1: That sounds like a delicious question. I
0: (laughs) am very hungry thinking about this question. Um, So once they're processed, they kind of look similar. That's Mm -hmm. why people do think, are they from the same plant? You know, because if you see cocoa beans and you see coffee beans, they look like they could be. Sure. Sure. Um, But they are from completely different plants. And when they're actually growing on their plants, they look totally different. Yeah. Yeah. People confuse them um, because they also serve a similar purpose. They stimulate our brains. They do that a little differently, but they do both stimulate our brains. They've also both been important to humans for a long time. And they have similar processes to harvest, dry, and roast them and and get them ready to consume which we do a little differently. Um, and they both have a possibility of many different flavors and smells and colors. So you can do an experiment at home with chocolate and coffee. So first, take a really deep smell of one of them and then write down everything you smell. And then take a really deep smell of the other one and write down everything you smell. You could do this with taste too, but I have to say that most kids don't really like the taste of coffee. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an acquired taste. I will be doing this with the tasting, though. <laughs> so they both have really rich and complex flavors, and they actually taste really good together. So, for example, the chocolate cake recipe that I make calls for a cup of coffee in it. Wow. Yeah, because it just, like, enhances the flavors of each other.
1: Did, did you bring any of that cake?
0: No, I'm sorry. I should have. It's really tasty. And um, when you're eating the chocolate cake, you don't think, oh, this tastes like coffee. It just enhances the, sm- the taste of the chocolate. But you should probably have it with a cup of coffee. <sighs> next time. Yes, next time. <laughs> so I, all of the research for this one is from our kdl.org Encyclopedia Britannica database. You can access it from our library's website. And I have three articles linked that talk in depth about how coffee is produced, all about cocoa, and then a separate article with the history of coffee. I'm just going to give you a brief overview of these things. and But those articles I wanted to point out to you, they have all these kind of pictures in them. So you can really see what the different plants look like, what the different seeds look like, because they are very different. So you can see what it looks like before it gets all packaged and comes to your house. Fun. So coffee first. <laughs> the legend of how coffee discovered is really exciting. Wild coffee plants were native to Ethiopia. That is a country in Africa, and the legend goes that a goat herder in the area was puzzled by the strange behavior of his goats. They had so much energy after eating (laughs) these red berries that they were dancing. (laughs) And he was like, huh, I would like to experience that. So he tried the red berries that his goats were eating, and then he had a surge of energy and he felt like dancing. And so he shared his discovery with others. and. Around the 15th century, coffee plants began to be cultivated. They moved them from being these wild plants in Ethiopia to being cultivated in Arabia and some other places as well. Today, you can find coffee growing in Eastern Africa, in Latin America, especially Brazil, and Asia and Arabia. The coffees that grow in those different places, they have different kind of plants, and they have different flavors, flavors. And some people may prefer coffee from one place or another, Um, but all of the plants have red berries known as coffee cherries. And each coffee cherry has seeds inside of it, like one or two seeds. These are the coffee beans. They're actually the seed of this red coffee berry. Fascinating. cherry. I know. So to use the beans, you have to remove the fruit from around the beans and then... They're kind of like pulpy, and they have a little bit of the the fruit on them, so you have to dry them out. Mm-hmm. So there's many ways to dry the beans out. And in the an article, there's a picture of a traditional drying method, which is just laying all the beans out in the sun, and then they use like a giant rake to turn them over and let them get evenly warmed by the sun to dry them out.
1: It probably smells amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't
0: actually know because at this, I think the part that makes them smell so good is the roasting process. Um. So at this point, when it's dried to the point, it's called green coffee. So So it isn't ready yet. It might not smell at all. So the next part is it's ready for roasting. And roasting brings out that flavor and that smell. So if you could go get your coffee roasted, that probably smells really amazing. Okay, all right. So now we'll go to cocoa. So, cocoa is grown from a tropical evergreen tree that's found in South America. So, they're different plants, and they're totally found on different continents to start with. Now, they're actually, you can find both things on multiple continents. But to start with, they were only on the continent of Africa and the continent of South America. So, cocoa was widely cultivated by the Mayan and the Aztec people. They used it as a drink, or they used the cocoa beans as currency. Huh. Yeah. So, Christopher Columbus took some cocoa beans back to Spain in 1502, and the Spanish added sugar to the cocoa because it was too bitter for them. They did not like the drink that Christopher Columbus came back with, but they... Saw how valuable their cocoa was, and they kept their cocoa discovery a secret from other countries. <laughs> they didn't make sense. To know. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like the Spanish royalty that were drinking cocoa for almost a hundred years. Oh. I know they kept it a secret, but eventually it did catch on, and then they were drinking cocoa in Italy and some other countries, and they started drinking cocoa in the United States too. Cocoa beans are harvested from trees, and the seed pods are really large. Um, And they actually are cut down from the tree and split open with a machete because they're hard too. So you just slice it open. So then the cocoa beans are removed from the pods and they have a process that's similar to the drying process, but they have to ferment for five to seven days. This helps the flavor of the, the cocoa develop. Then they're dried. So like the coffee beans, some are dried in the sun in the traditional way and some are dried with machines. Um, And then they also are roasted to bring out those rich flavors. So very similar processes. And once they get to those point, they look very similar. So I understand why there's this confusion of, are they the same, are they Mm -hmm. from the same plant but they're totally different plants, yeah. So at this point, for coffee, it's usually just ready to grind and brew into a delicious beverage. Well, Mm -hmm. maybe delicious to some people. (laughs) And for cocoa, there's usually more processing that will take place, because this plain cocoa like this is very bitter. Mm -hmm. Most people don't just want to eat that. So you got to mix it with a little sugar and milk and make a delicious Hershey's chocolate bar, and then it's ready to go. So that's the difference. And now I am hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Same. <laughs> Could go for a little chocolate and a little, a little coffee. coffee. <laughs> that sounds amazing. They go really well together. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. But I have a book a recommendation for you. You do? Is I it do. about chocolate? No. <laughs> it's not about chocolate or about coffee. coffee. Yeah. Pizza. No, no pizza. <laughs> There's like no food in this book Gosh, at all. I what know. Is happening? Oh wait a minute. There is a little bit of food in this book. It's scrambled ostrich eggs Uh oh (laughs) no thank you (laughs) and in fact she does say that that's not as good as chicken eggs but it feeds the whole family they like
1: they're They're huge yeah Yeah. this is I feel like I've seen them on a cooking show like as a challenge and they're you know it's like they're really like a dozen eggs in one
0: egg yeah okay yeah so this book is called the nerviest girl in the world and it's by Melissa Wiley It's a historical fiction book, and it's set before movies had sound in them. Oh. So there were movies, but then there would just be, like, printed dialogue on the screen to say what was happening. Yep
1: a silent movie?
0: Yeah, a okay. silent movie. So the book is all about Pearl, a 12-year-old girl with three older cowboy brothers who live on a ranch in the west. They also, I did not put this in my summary, but they do also raise ostriches and that's how they feed the family. Oh, with a giant, giant ostrich egg every morning for breakfast. That so, sounds gross, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. But you know, when you're living on a right. ranch, you just make do. Right. Um just have coffee. Yeah, I'm sure they (laughs) drank coffee, yeah. So a movie man comes into their town, and he hires Pearl's three older brothers, not to be actors, but to do stunts on horses, because they really know about being cowboys, because...
1: That's what they, they are, are, cowboys. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and his actors really didn't know about that, so he hired them to be stunts. And Pearl and her dad go and watch, and then something crazy happens, which I'm not telling what it is. You have to read that for yourself, but it brings Cur- Pearl into doing stunts for herself on the movies. Oh, yeah. Um, only Pearl stunts are even crazier than. Brothers. This book draws you in right away because the very first, like the beginning chapter, is Pearl's craziest stunt, like just a glimpse of it. And then it goes back in time and tells you how she got to that point. So you were like, How is she going (laughs) to get there the whole time? You can't believe that that's really going to happen. It's a very short book and it's funny. And I loved seeing the early movie industry from Pearl's point of view. And then at the end, there's a really neat author's note where she talks about. A real stunt girl named Pearl, who was a young lady, um, and who was the inspiration for her fictional Pearl.
1: It sounds amazing. It's really
0: great. I I I did the stuff about the the ostriches is really quite. <laughs> most of the humor is with Pearl's relationship with the ostriches. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's great they're stuff.
1: kind of feisty. Aren't they, they are,
0: yeah. And it was her responsibility to take care of them, and she's always a little scared of oh, them.
1: They're enormous, yeah. too. Huh, yes, that that's, that's what helps like her book. be the
0: nerviest girl in the world. She's had to deal with these mean ostriches. <sighs> that sounds great. Thanks for sharing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I guess I guess that's about it for today. I
0: think it is.
1: Uh, well, did we did we learn something today?
0: Hi, I learned that lightning is a state of matter. Plasma and Plasma. so hot. I learned so much about lightning that yeah. wasn't even a question.
1: <laughs> but it went right with what we were talking it about. It did. And I learned about coffee cherries today. I had no idea that it was a fruit first and yeah. then a bean. So thank you for sharing that with me. Today. Next
0: time you enjoy your cup of coffee, you can think about mm.
1: can you just eat the cherries?
0: Well, <laughs> like, I. That's Um, how they were discovered. They actually have more caffeine in them. Can you even imagine? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a bad choice.
1: (laughs) Probably is not a good idea. Okay, but we could think about it anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, thank you for all your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world too. For more information or to send us your own question, head to kdl.org forward slash stump. Tune in to the next episode where we answer even more of your questions. Huge and special thanks to KDL's programming department, the KDL marketing department, and J.D. Dolinsky for our intro and outro music. Thank you.